Good morning. Welcome to Spring Meadows Adult Sunday School. I have quite a bit to cover. I will not read all of these words, I promise, um, but we should get started. So given that our topic is prayer, let's start with prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this Lord's Day that we have uh, to come together to worship you, to learn from your word. Pray that you would be, and your Holy Spirit would be a conduit through me, uh, that I would stay out of the way. Pray that we would learn and be convicted and be challenged and encouraged to pray more, to pray rightly, and to learn to love prayer. And it's in Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I have an opening question here. It's also at the top of your handout. Uh, the, this was slightly modified from the early 90s, where it was less than seven minutes. Somewhere else surveyed only Christians, and it was less than 10 minutes. Uh, every day that lay people and uh, church or and pastorate preach, preach, pray less than 10 minutes every day. So why might this be so? And it's complicated. I would say personally, I was reticent, if not even resistant to t uh, teach on this subject because I am not good at it, so from the disclaimer alert side, I studied it because I know that I need to learn it and practice it and put it into place, um, not because I've mastered it to any extent. If anything, this is more convicting for me being up here. Uh, there is a lot of information in here, and this is just scratching the surface. This is a, as deep as you want it to go, and for the in interest of the 40 or so minutes that we have to discuss it, uh, we can't get as deep as I would like or as some of you would like. So I want to skim through the high-level sides of it of, first of all, why do we pray? How do we learn to pray better? And, with, uh, and then just the reminder that the underlying basic principle that prayer is answered. So why do we pray? Prayer is expected of us. God commands us to pray. We get better at prayer by learning to do it, and we need to, despite our, or at least my, constant cynicism and fear, prayer is answered, and when we lean into that and understand that, we find rest and security and encouragement there. So this opening quote came from, it's actually the opening chapter of Tim Keller's prayer, Experiencing God with intimacy and awe, awe and intimacy. He says, imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine, a pill, every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No. It would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't let it just slip our minds. There is a central theme or a central uh, principle of prayer that it is the conduit uh, where we align ourselves to God's word. We are speaking back to God what he has spoken to us in scripture. 
And it, God uses that in addition to the means of grace and through preaching of the word and the sacraments. He uses that to conform us for the purpose of godliness, to, to become like Christ. That is, when we're talking about these spiritual disciplines, the overarching theme is for the purpose of godliness. We are here not so that we can show off how much better we are at doing certain tasks, not to feel better about ourselves or pat ourselves on the back that we're doers, but God is using those means, those practices, those disciplines, um, just like we are running a race, just like we are fighting a battle to shape us into who he has us to be. So most of this, at least this, the structure, comes from uh, spiritual disciplines for the Christian life from Donald Whitney. Uh, this was in the early 90s it was first published. Uh, his theme on the prayer side, or the prayer chapter, is prayer is a vital spiritual discipline second only to the intake of God's word. To be like Jesus, we must pray. Knowing that without prayer, we lack godliness, God expects us to pray. What a blessing it is to know that he hears every prayer of his children. So it's expected of us. We need to learn to do it. And he hears and answers those prayers. And he goes on to say that one of the main reasons for lack of godliness is prayerlessness. That's your first fill in the blank so I can make sure you're following along. So prayerlessness. I know I have gone through sections, uh, disappointing or embarrassingly long sections of my life where I pray only when I need something or I pray uh, for food, uh, to bless the food, but the actual communion with God is very, very superficial or lacking entirely. But we look through, there, there's a myriad of verses in here from Matthew 6, when Jesus, so prayer is expected. Jesus expects us to pray. Sermon on the Mount. There's this litany of four verses in a row, five verses, and when you pray, but when you pray, and when you pray, this then is how you should pray. It is expected. It is not if you pray. It is when. This is how to do it. Later in Luke, so I say to you, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Later, Luke 18, Jesus told his disciples they should always pray. So throughout God's word, whether New Testament or Old Testament, there is the constant ad admonition or constant command for us to be people of prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer. And when you make something a priority, you will sacrifice for it. You will, when you will give time to it, you know you are devoted to it. So that, leaning in on that devotion, it's emphasized as an activity. I'm getting these right. Yeah. So emphasized as an activity. So that <clears throat> you're devoting yourselves to the activity of prayer. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, it is pray continually. Where in this side, prayer is emphasized as a relationship. One interesting metaphor that was brought to this is back when we had uh, multiple lines on our phones. It was, you have God always on the line. You might be taking another call to talk to them, but as soon as you hang up, you can go back to talking to God. There's that constant dialogue. It may not be every single word or 
Uh, every second of the day you are talking to God, but he is that constant presence and that constant dialogue as you or as we go through life, experiencing trials, experiencing setbacks, experiencing joys, we are praying uh, in gratefulness, and in, in gratitude, and repentance, and in petition, and in intercession, the, all those aspects of prayer. First Chronicles 16, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Ephesians 6, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Uh, Martin Luther had a great quote, As it is the business of the tailor to make clothes and of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 uh, four, or 15 starts with the uh, we do not have a high priest who cannot commiserate or uh, who cannot empathize with us in our weakness but one who has in all things um, experienced sin then it follows with let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need we are constantly called to prayer through scripture uh, Piper from Desiring God, prayer is a walkie-talkie for warfare, not a domestic intercom for increasing our convenience, conveniences. And to abandon prayer to fight the battle with our own, to abandon prayer is to fight the battle with our own resources at best, and to lose interest in the battle at worst. And whether or not we recognize it, whether or not we agree with it, we are in spiritual warfare. Uh, New Testament, Old Testament talks through that, Ephesians 6, with the armor of God. That is something that we are in, and if, if we're not in warfare, that means we're on the sidelines and completely ineffective. So if we are not constantly in prayer, with that walkie-talkie, learning what the commands of our general is, or the commands are, then we're trying to do it on our own, and we're trying to, or we're just sitting and not doing anything, which is even worse. Uh, Luke 5, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Prayer is expected of us because we need it. And if Jesus had to pray, if he withdrew, if he found the need to do that, why do we think we don't have to? Uh, we must come to grips with the fact that to be like Jesus, we must pray. So why don't we? Why is it that on average we're praying less than 10 minutes every day? Is it because they're just bad Christians that don't go to a Reformed church? Is it because they, I, I don't know. We, we look at that and we can make all sorts of excuses, but when I look at myself, those excuses fall apart. Uh, from, from the concept of spiritual disciplines where we are training our bodies, we are training our minds, or we are training our minds and our, our hearts like an athlete or a warrior would train his body or her body. Prayer is something that we need to work towards. It is something that, uh, reason we don't pray is because we lack discipline to do it. We think, oh, I'm just going to make it spontaneous. Uh, and that it's out of relationship. I'm going to talk with God. If I have to plan it, it's not really true. It's not 
something that is from my heart. And I, I think that misses, and a lot of the, the study that I've done, that misses uh, the, the point where we are, our, I think our culture likes to say, if it doesn't come naturally or just do what's naturally from your heart, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. And we have serious problems. We have scripture, we have the spirit, we have the, the church body around us to encourage us and to train us so that we can plan and we can allot time for prayer. Uh, we think it should be spontaneous and don't plan or allot time. And I, I hear this phrase, tyranny of the urgent, on the work side of things before. I'm, I'm sure it's common to many of you that if you don't plan things in your life, life will plan things for you. It will set your priorities if you don't. Whatever is most urgent, whether or not it's important, will take over. Another reason would be cynicism or doubt or fear that we don't believe our prayers are going to be meaningful or that, or that they will be answered and that we're tempted to doubt the power of God through prayer. So why do we, why do we pray God's not really going to answer that? And that, that could be another way of doing it, another reason we don't. Uh, for me, on the reform side, it's a particular struggle, especially at the beginning, that surface where if we confuse God's sovereignty, if he's ordained everything from the beginning of time or before the beginning of time to happen, how is our prayer really going to change things? How is our prayer going to be answered? But what we miss, just going one level deeper, God has ordained the means to do that too. And that those secondary causes or secondary means are through our prayers that he commands us to do. Another reason might be that we don't sense the nearness of God. And while our praying or other aspects of Christian living should be governed by truth of scripture rather than our feelings, we are broken, fallen people and we, uh, the frailty of our emotions that are in and out, or our hearts that are fickle, uh, and whether that is simply our sinful nature, or whether that is active spiritual warfare against us, those, if we are relying on our emotions to lead us to prayer as, as the only reason we go to prayer, then those can uh, erode that desire to pray. And lastly in the, this, the ignorance of our need. If we don't think we need help, we don't necessarily reach out to God. We're the, the, the underlying pride of humanity and sin says, I don't need God, I can do this on my own. And if we are ignorant of our need, then we don't reach out to God. But in John 15, 5, Christ says, apart from me, you can do nothing. This is from the vine and the branches discourse. Uh, where there is little awareness of real need, there is <clears throat> little real prayer. However, sometimes circumstances or, or some circumstances drive us to our knees. And when we're honest, those circumstances are far more or should be far more uh, they, sh they should be far more common that we recognize those needs. But when things are going well, when there's enough money in the bank, when everybody's healthy, just smooth sailing. Like, I don't really need God. And you don't necessarily think explicitly, I don't need God, 
but you think everything's going well, and without those trials and without those stresses, our pride and our self-sufficiency take over. Until we see the danger and foolishness of this attitude, God's expectation for us to pray just seems irrelevant. I like this quote, the less we think of the nature and character of God, the less we are reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and the less we want to pray. When when we don't understand the greatness of God and the greatness of the gospel, we don't recognize our need for that and our need for prayer. So those are some reasons why why we don't pray. They're not going to be the only ones there, I'm sure there are lots of others out there. But how do, we, how do we implement it? How do we get better at it? How do we do it? Uh, and the encouragement that no matter how weak or how strong your prayer life is now, it can always grow. It can always get better. It can grow stronger. Just as in one sense, a baby doesn't need to be taught to cry, but which is only minimal communication for basic needs, a growing child needs to learn how to speak. So we cry out in our prayers at times, and that doesn't have to be taught to us when we need help. But we do need to learn how to address and uh, approach God in effective ways and ways that focus on him. So how do we do that? Uh, We see in Luke 11, the disciples, after a session of, or a series of prayer, or a, a a session where Christ was praying with them, then they say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he he leads them through the Lord's Prayer. And there's several things, several other instances of that. But we need to learn how to do it. When we're trying, and so the first way you learn how to do it is by actually doing it. When you're trying to learn a language, whether it's your first language or whether it is a foreign language, reading about it, studying it, listening to it, those are all good things, but you have to speak it. You have, it, it doesn't connect if you don't actually do it. We need to practice it. John 16, 13. It says the Holy Spirit will guide us in all truth. Romans 8 talks about the Holy Spirit leads us to cry, Abba, Father, and helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray. With groanings too deep for words, it also intercedes on our behalf according to the will of God. The Spirit is there to help us pray, to, to energize that connection between our souls and God. So we don't be afraid to pray, even if it is halts and starts, if it is what you might think of as embarrassing because it doesn't sound pretty with pretty turns of phrase, you still pray. You still work and incrementally grow through that. And having it be pretty, we don't want to be like the Pharisees who use those empty words just to get our praise from men. And the the real meat of this learning process is by meditating on Scripture. We talked and my previous lesson on scripture memorization, Bible intake, memorization, and meditation. I didn't spend as much time on the meditation, but the, the high level we talked about reading the word of God, studying the word of God, and getting it inside your head and your heart so that it can germinate, those seeds can grow, and you can just turn that over and begin to 
not just have it go one in one year out the other, like water passes through a pipe. It is so that we can be people of the word and this meditation is the missing link, let's say, between Bible intake and prayer. Oftentimes, I know I have experienced this, it's I'm going to read my Bible and pray. So I read my Bible, I read a few verses or a chapter or two chapters, or maybe I'll read through a whole book because I'm feeling great about myself today. Uh, and then, okay, I'm going to close my Bible I'm gonna, and now I'm going to pray. And I just kind of sit there and say words in my head or out loud and it just sort of fumbles. It's, there's this disconnect between what I read and it, it just becomes, the words that I say become rote. But when I read smaller sections or think about, maybe it's just a chapter or just a few verses and I think through and pray through those, uh, those words of scripture, uh, that is what connects between the the Bible intake and prayer, what God speaks to us and how we speak back to God. The process works like this. After the input of a passage of scripture, meditation allows us to take what God has said to us and think deeply on it, to digest it, and speak, then speak to God about it in meaningful prayer. As a result, we pray about what we've encountered in the Bible, now personalized through meditation. We see this throughout the Psalms. David's from Psalm 5, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Groaning, sighing in another, medi- in a, in another uh, translation, med- meditation is what that really translates to back to the, the Hebrew. What is constantly being uh, uh, cogitated on or, or thought over and over. In Psalm 19, 14, is just the seminal verse for this constantly goes through my my mind. There's a great song from Corner Room Music, if any of you are familiar with that. Uh, but let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That That constant cry of our hearts that what we're thinking about, what we're saying, to be something that aligns to God's will, that aligns to his character for us. But in both of these cases, Meditation is that catalyst that moved David from the truth of God to being writing about, singing about the truth of God to talking to God. And the Puritans are all over this. Uh, the last two pages that I have as an appendix are a bunch of quotes from Baxter, Owen, Henry, Manton, Bates, Bridge that is summarized here. To read the Bible and to meditate was seen as an un, so I'm sorry, to read the Bible and not to meditate was seen as an unfruitful exercise. Better read one chapter and meditate afterward than to read several chapters and not to meditate. Likewise, to meditate and to not pray was like preparing to run a race and never leaving the starting line. The three duties of reading scripture, meditation, and prayer belong together. And though each could be done occasionally on its own, as formal duties to God, they were best done together. And I think most of you are familiar with George Mueller. He is a, see, I want to say he's early 1800s, uh, maybe late 1700s. The, but he ran an orphanage in England. He had, he never asked for money or talked about his needs or advertised his needs and he cared at times for over 2,000 orphans. 
and had in that era, 200, 300 years ago, had millions of dollars come through his hand, people who would give whether food or money, and he he journaled and chronicled over tens of thousands of prayers that were answered. And he has a really great uh, excerpt from his journals that I put in the appendix. Uh, This paragraph that I want to read is part of that uh, because it is maybe not even the the seed or maybe not even the most important part of it, but this was what struck to me because of what I have specifically struggled with. And he's talking about meditation being that connection. So the difference then between my former practice and my present one is this. Formerly when I rose, I began to pray as soon as possible and generally spent all my time till breakfast in prayer or almost all the time. At all events, I almost invariably began with prayer. But what was the result? I often spent a quarter of an hour, or half an hour, or even an hour on my knees before being conscious to myself of having derived comfort, encouragement, humbling of soul, etc. And often, after having suffered suffered much from wandering of mind for the first ten minutes, or quarter of an hour, or even half an hour, I only then really began to pray. I'm sure it's not just me, but how often, by a show of hands, are, are we praying and realizing, I don't really know what I'm saying. I'm just mumbling or I'm, I'm wandering through this with no, no real point to this conversation. So I definitely encourage you to read that whole section in the back, page and a half or so. But he was a line of prayer, and all of those answered prayers were were they because he in, incorporated a secret and he hit all the right buttons to to get God to answer them? No, it, God answers prayer, and he may have answered his prayers more obviously. It may be that Mueller was watching for them more conscientiously. Uh, and was much better at actually journaling them. I know when there have been hundreds of times where I have seen answered prayer, but can I point to specific ones? Only if I wrote them down, and that was not all that common that I would do that. Another way we can learn to pray is by praying with others and pray with people who can model true prayer for us. True prayer is not making flowery words or, or clever turns of phrase, but is these principles of prayer. When we, when we pray with the body, and I am guilty of not having done this as often as I should, or sometimes it is as often as I want, I will say that, um, it scares me to, well, what are people going to think about me? What, are, what if my prayer doesn't sound mature enough? But that's how we learn. We, we learn principles, how to, to read scripture and pray through scripture, how to, it may be different aspects. It's not, oh, I can hear those same phrases that I might pray because I remember my dad praying them. We're modeling these for our children. We're modeling these for those around us. We need to learn them from others and teach them to others. And praying regularly with others can be one of the most enriching adventures of your Christian life. Another way we can uh, read about prayer, 
and I have these, these blanks. This is in addition to, not instead of praying. I really like to read about things instead of doing them. It's making that connection and, and practicing. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise will grow wise. Um, I threw in some resources here. Uh, Valley of Vision, for those who are not familiar with this book, is a fantastic collection of prayers. Uh, Martin Luther had, or rather, R.C. Sproul had a book about Martin Luther that is great for children. This is the barber who wanted to pray. Uh, you can read more about George Mueller. There are a myriad of resources that I'm, I'm sure our church library has many of them as well that you can read about or find and learn about others who were good at prayer, who modeled their lives around prayer. I would say, finally, as we get into why we pray, we are commanded to pray. We need to learn how to do it, but we can never forget that prayer is answered. In Psalm 50, 65, David addresses God as, O oh, you who hear prayer. No principle of prayer is more taken for granted than God answers prayer. It may not be when we think he's going to answer it. It may not be in the way that we think he's going to or the way we want him to. It may be uh, other reasons for the, the ask and receive not. Uh, no. I'll skip back up to, or I'll go back up to C and D, but when those ask and receive not, the answer may be yet forthcoming. Our request may be in God's, our request may not be in God's will, or we're asked with selfish motives. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Or maybe that we're dealing, failing to deal with blatant sin that puts our prayers on hold. Psalm 66, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. John 14, 13, back up to see here. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And we already discussed Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, ask, seek, and knock. I really like this. Uh, this is a quote from something else, or more of an, maybe an aphorism, that our post-Christian culture or our modernistic, materialistic culture often throws it back in our face to say, God doesn't answer prayer. Those are just coincidences. That you asked for this. Now you're looking for it. Your particular activator is there, so you're cognizant of this actually happening. But this I come back to this, it's, if it is a coincidence, I sure have a lot more coincidences when I pray than when I don't. Spurgeon encourages us, as a father would not tantalize his children by exciting in them a desire he has no intention of gratifying, so God does not lead us or call us to pray without meaning for us to receive. So God answers prayer. So, as we get into some of these applications, since it's expected, will you pray? This was from uh, Piper. One of the main reasons so many of God's children don't have a significant prayer life is not so much that we don't want to, but that we don't plan to. If you want to take a four-week vacation, you don't just get up one summer morning and say, hey, let's go today. You won't have anything ready. You won't know where to go, nothing has been planned, 
But that is how many of us treat prayer. We get up day after day and realize that significant times of prayer should be a part of our life, but nothing's ever ready. We don't know where to go. Nothing has been planned, no time, no place, no procedure. And we all know that the opposite of planning is not a wonderful flow of deep, spontaneous experiences in prayer. The opposite of planning is the rut. If you don't plan a vacation, you will probably stay home and watch TV. The natural, unplanned flow of spiritual life sinks to the lowest ebb of vitality. There is a race to be run and a fight to be fought. If you want renewal in your life of prayer, you must plan to see it. So how do we do that? How, how do we go through and, and plan? We, we can make time for it. We can, we can do these other things. It, but it takes effort. It takes us making a decision and devoting time and energy and effort to do so. So since prayer is learned, will you learn to pray? Are you going to make those planning or make those plans and make those efforts? Will you incorporate meditation? Are you going to pray with others? What, where will you start? You know, write this down. Where, when are you going to do it? Having these ideas is, is fantastic. Knowing what to do is great. Not ever doing it is not so great. The back to the training and training and never actually leaving the finish line or leaving the starting line doesn't help. And since prayer is answered, will you persistently pray? Back, back, back to Mueller, the great fault of the children of God is they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. If they desire anything for God's glory, they should pray until they get it. Oh, how good and kind and gracious and condescending is the one with whom we have to do. He has given me, unworthy as I am, immeasurably above all I had asked or thought. And don't let the enemy tempt you to become silently cynical about God's willingness or his ability to answer. And Spurgeon Again, even as the moon influences the tides of the sea, even so does prayer influence the tides of godliness. Uh, and from J.C. Ryle, what is the reason that some believers are so much brighter and holier than others? I believe the difference in 19 cases out of 20 arises from different habits about private prayer. I believe that those who are not eminently holy pray little, and those who are eminently holy pray much. So, with the closing encouragement from Colossians, verse two, 4 verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Uh, I have another section of resources down below. Uh, the, the book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, Donald Whitney, uh, the, the Keller book on prayer. I mentioned the Verse Locker app from uh, the, the memorization one a few weeks ago. But they have a collection of 41 verses called Learning to Pray. Um, I have it as a hyperlink. Obviously, that doesn't work on the printed version. But if you go online, it's going to be posted there. Or you can just go to the scripturememory.org. They have an iPhone or Android app. They have a, um, you, or you can just do it on a, a web browser. Uh, Corner Room Music. I, that's from a PCA church out of Birmingham, I want to say. Uh, and they've done over 50 different passages of scripture in a variety of styles that are all verbatim to ESV. And I have, for those of you who have, are, are musical or 
<laughs> listen to music, which is pretty much everybody, it's a lot easier to memorize something when it's put to music. And I have been able to get larger chunks of a lot of the Psalms, or a lot of Psalms, not a lot of the Psalms, um, three or four of those, just by listening to it and not taking a whole lot of effort has got that stuck in my mind and, and helped toward that memory and toward that meditation, and which leads to prayer. So it looks like we have a few minutes for some of these discussion questions. Starting, or if there's a, uh, is there a mic going around? We, we'll let you guys pick the ones you want to ask or answer. We don't have to go in order. We won't have time for all of them. I'll, I'll start us off then. Um, <clears throat> one of the, uh, uh, I don't know, methodologies or methods that I've uh, employed uh, of late of the last few years is when I do have a uh, desire to pray uh, throughout the day or if I get a uh, request to pray uh, for someone, I don't put it off. I don't say, I will keep you in my prayers. I will I'll say, I'll pray for you now. I'll stop what I'm doing and I'll pray for them then. Um, and then also, if I'm having a discussion with somebody over the phone, um, you know, just a you know, general counseling or we're talking about something that's uh, troubling them, uh, I'll pray for them right there and then at the, at the end of the phone call. Uh, and I think it's, you know, uh, keeps that uh, continuous prayer uh, going throughout my day. Yeah. I'll say on that, from the, the Keller book, he has a uh, uh, admission that the, the chief way in which he has sinned against people over the course of his life has been not following through when he says he'll pray for people. Here's something that's helped me to pray. And that is realizing that it is a means of grace. So as Presbyterians, we believe the three means of grace are word, sacrament, and prayer. So when we pray, we get. So in my mind, you know, going back to the metaphor of uh, the telephone line, mm -hmm. in my mind, I, I, I see it as plugging into the current of God and just, we're getting. We Being get, energized by we that. We get when we pray. And yeah. So... If you like grace, pray, man. You'll get a lot of grace. But we don't need grace. That's for weak people. <laughs> you mentioned about writing it down, and I, I keep a pad, and it's really a witness to me of God's faithfulness as you see things being answered, how yeah. God you know, brings about the resolution. And sometimes it's not instant, but over time, and that's why, you know, the, the desire to be patient in prayer. The other thing is, I read years ago Mueller's biography, and I remember the story about the, he had over 2,000 kids in the orphanage, and there was no bread and no money. They, the donations hadn't come in, and, and that morning, a bread wagon broke an axle right in front of the orphanage. And, and rather than the bread going to waste, the bread went to the orphanage. So just amazing, you know, stories of, of how God provided for that orphanage. Yeah. How do you feel or distinguish between prayer as a family, maybe as part of family worship versus in your own walk? And so maybe you can expand on that, your practice or good practices that you've seen. 
I would say I am still learning that aspect of it. Um, I think it's yes to both, or it's a both and. Um, there is an aspect of private prayer, or there, there's the aspect of prayer that if you only do it with others, it lacks, or it, it's missing a, a, a core component. If you're only praying privately, you're missing the, the other side of that coin, and you need to develop, or we need to develop both on the meditation side and having that overflow in prayer uh, from our, our own study or in a family worship study, as well as modeling that for our children and encouraging those around us within our family. I'm, I'm open to other uh, input on that as well. I'm certainly not the expert here. Yeah, she's the expert. Just don't tell them how bad I am. <laughs> no, I'm not the expert, but I would say if you're praying with your family, in essence, that's modeling prayer for your children. But if you're not praying in your personal life, it's hard for that to be proper modeling because it's not an overflow yeah. of what is happening with you and God. Your, your kids will, I mean, they're not going to know the difference really but they will see better modeling when it is an overflow of the richness of your prayer life. And better alignment with your own actions and attitudes, how you pray. I, I, if you're not having the, the core of your prayer life being in private prayer, what you do outwardly, if it's only just to model, really easily becomes hypocritical. And it becomes formulaic and simply those clever phrases or rote memory or rote, uh, dear God, please give me this, please give me this, thank you for this, amen. I, I, I think that those, you need both of them, but you, it, it's built on the foundation of private prayer. I'll make an attempt to answer Question D, what is the difference between learning principles of prayer and learning phrases for prayer? So I, I think of, um, you know, we could, we could go and read chapter 21 of the Westminster Confession and say, okay, well, the Puritans tell me I need to pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then kind of as I think you were alluding to earlier, we could, we could read that and say, Oh, this is how I get God to answer all my prayers. Like this is the this, this is the cheat, formula. This is the cheat code. Like yeah. I just have to use these words, and then, like magically, God answers um, what I'm asking Him for, which is not true. Um, but there, there are principles where we need. If we understand them, it gives us a greater appreciation for what we're doing. So if we 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 pray to God the Father because He is sovereign over everything, and as you said, He has ordained. The means as well as the ends and we we have to pray in the name of Jesus because as sinners we can't approach God on our own we need a mediator and Jesus is the one mediator for us and then we need the Spirit's help because the Spirit sanctifies us and helps us um, uh, apply Jesus's work to us that we can pray in a way that is more pleasing and so I I try to remember that and I always will try to ask my children like why do we always end our prayers with in Jesus' name. Is that just like the magic words? And 
use that as an opportunity to explain it to them. To make that connection, yeah. I think that is all we have time for. I want to close in prayer. Uh, I'll read from Valley of Vision. There was a, a great one. So, O God of the open ear, teach me to live by prayer as well as by providence for myself, soul, body, children, family, church. Give me a heart frameable to thy will so I might live in prayer and honor thee. Being kept from evil, known and unknown, Help me to see the sin that accompanies all I do and the good I can distill from everything. Let me know that the work of prayer is to bring my will to thine and that without this it is folly to pray. When I try to bring thy will to mine, it is to command Christ to be above him and wiser than he. This is my sin and pride. I can only succeed when I pray according to thy precept and promise and to be done and to be done with as it pleases thee, according to the, thy sovereign will. When thou commandest me to pray for pardon, peace, brokenness, it is because thou wilt give me the thing promised, for thy glory as well as for my good. Help me not only to desire small things, but with holy boldness to desire great things for thy people, for myself, that they and I might live to show thy glory. Teach me that it is wisdom for me to pray for all I have out of love willingly, not of necessity, that I may come to thee at any time to lay open my needs acceptably to thee, that my great sin lies not in my keeping, lies in my not keeping the Savior of thy ways, that the remembrance of this truth is one way to the sense of thy presence, that there is no wrath like the wrath of being governed by my own lusts for my own ends. Amen.